What's going on? Thank you for dropping in. I am Gerald Valley. And before we get started, I want to welcome a new sponsor to our show. You know, Play at the Plate. They're a great adult experience in a historic setting. Would you like to play some baseball? Do you still dream of playing on a major league field, experiencing the magic of places like Field of Dreams? For 15 years, Play at the Plate has been making dreams come true. Play at the Plate offers you the chance to play ball. Join us for a lifetime experience. Go to playattheplate.org or call Scott Green at 631-255-4475. That's 631-255-4475. Now, how rad would that be? You're passionate about baseball, and you can play at that historic setting? Freaking awesome. You know, if, if you had that opportunity with every different thing you were psyched on, dude, the world would be a great place. So, if you're psyched on baseball, make sure to check out Play at the Plate. Um, you know, again, thank you for dropping into the show today. Today's show is... A little different. You know, if you've watched the past shows, you've seen J.R. Adams, and if you haven't, tune in. Kurt David. Kurt David. I mean, those shows were uh, phenomenal, and they, they bring a certain flavor to each one. You know, a different kind of thing, a different kind of inspiration, a different kind of uh, passion, we'll say. In today's show, I have... You know, I don't even really know how to explain it because uh, Leah brings a lot to the table. You know, she she brings a lot. She brings uh, a passionate vision, how to make it happen, how to shift gears at certain points in time, how to juggle it all and make it work. And now that I believe is the hardest part to take everyday life, your passion, try to pay the bills, try to take care of the kid, try to make the husband happy. There's a lot going on there, and that's what Leah brings to the table. So make sure to tune in and or stay tuned with us for the whole hour because you're going to learn a lot. You are going to learn a lot about her, a lot about how she has made it happen, and a lot about how you can make it happen in your own life. And that's what the drop-in is about. It's about inspiring you to get off your damn couch and make life happen. This is not a dress rehearsal. You get one shot at life, and if you don't make the most of it, it's your own fault. So, tune in and stay tuned for the whole show. Also, also, moving forward, this week is Comic-Con in Detroit. And NRM has a freaking complex at Comic-Con. I mean, it's like six or eight booths or something like that. They have interviews going on, free giveaways. I actually am hosting a Star Wars game show tomorrow, about 3.30, I think. So it should be a pretty interesting time. Make sure to stop by. If you are out at Comic-Con, keep your eyes peeled for the NRM complex. There's, I think, 50 or 60 seats where you can chill out there, watch what's going on, maybe win something. And who knows who is going to stop by there for an interview or to pick up the mic or whatever. So make sure to visit the NRM booth or booths at Comic-Con. It's going to be a cool time. I mean, the list of celebrities is incredible. I personally would love to visit with uh, the Fonz, Henry Winkler. That's who I want to see. You know, I looked at the list, and, you know, you got uh, Hirsch from Sons of Anarchy, that other dude, uh, what's his name, Hoonan, I think is his last name, the main dude from Sons of Anarchy is there, uh, Bedard, the voice of... Um, 
Pocahontas. She is there, great Native American actress who I actually did some things with in the past. We raised money in Denver, Colorado to put skateboard parks on Native American reservations. So, Irene Bedard is there. Some awesome people doing great things. But the coolest, I think the coolest part of the whole thing is NRM is there. And they are going to be giving back to you. Uh, as you come by. Again, free stuff, interviews, all that kind of stuff. So stop by. Say you heard it here on the drop-in, and maybe they'll even throw you some more free stuff. So Comic-Con is huge this week. I know there's tons of people here at the network who are fired up on it. And I want you as well to get fired up on stopping by and visiting Comic-Con. Stop and see me. Show up on Friday. Maybe you get in the game show, win something, teach me something on Friday afternoon. Uh, it's going to be a great time. It really is. I mean, there's so much going on. There's people dressing up. There's all sorts of things going on. And NRM is right in the middle of the whole thing. And they'll be carrying it streaming through the network. So make sure to pay attention to that as well. After today's show, click around the network and see where you can watch the rest of the weekend festivities from the Detroit Comic Con. Going to be a good time. Now to the subject at hand. Today's show. Today, I have a friend of mine. Um, we we met about I don't know a couple months ago. You've heard me speak before about the skate park project I'm involved with in Downriver area. The Downriver area is about 15, 20 minutes south of Detroit in southeastern Michigan, and we've been giving a great given a great opportunity to put up some skateboard parks with uh, a great great grant from the Tony Hawk Foundation along with the Ralph C. Wilson Foundation, and. We started that process in August. We started getting it together, a uh, great group of people. We've, we've really started growing community awareness by being in parades, by doing different things. The city of Wyandotte, Michigan, has been awesome supporting us. I mean, I talk about the goosebumps I get when I'm talking on this show. They're here. You can see them when I bring up the support from the city. The mayor has been awesome. He's sharing our posts on, on Facebook and whatnot. And it has really been like the perfect storm. We, we secured a quarter million dollar matching grant from the Hawk Foundation in March. And when we started doing that, the press went out across the world. They showed pictures of us on Thrasher Magazine, Juice Magazine. It went, I mean, it went all over the world. Little Wyandotte, us in the, in the Thanksgiving Day Parade, and it was just unreal. It really was. But some people started coming into the fold and realizing we weren't just talking a bunch of smack, that we really were making things happen. We started getting more and more involvement with other folks in the community, and not just from Wyandotte. From the local cities, Lincoln Park, which is right outside the border there on the north part of Wyandotte, Riverview, Southgate, these are the communities that make up the Downriver area. And all along, you know, it, it has been an awesome journey. We followed the, the book. We're trying to avoid pitfalls. So the Tony Hawk Foundation puts out this public skate park Bible, if you will. We've been following that step by step. So we haven't had too much negativity, and it's been awesome. But we get to a, a meeting. And new faces are showing up, constantly new faces. Just a couple here and there, each meeting, but we're growing. And uh, Leah and Jeremy uh, show up. And I'm like, oh, cool, new faces, you know? And, and we start talking. And they own one of the biggest, I think the biggest banquet hall in Wyandotte. And they said, you know, we want to do what we can to help, whatever it is. 
Uh, Leah's husband, Jeremy, is a, grew up skateboarding. He walked in with a bad brain sweatshirt on. I knew we were brothers instantly. <laughs> instantly. You wearing bad brains, I'm down. I'm totally down. And so they come to the meeting, they hear what we're doing, and they say, how can we help? How can we help? And with the biggest venue in Wyandotte to hold events, like weddings, like fundraisers, and uh, how can you help? Well, they opened their doors to us. And our very first event on April 27th, I think, was a smashing success. We had a great time. They did an amazing job. Jeremy is a DJ, and he uh, perfect soundtrack for the evening. I mean, dude's amazing. Amazing. Leah just, uh, I mean, everything just clicked. And it all started with them stopping by the meeting. But there's so much more. So much more to that story, and I had no idea. And so I asked her if she'd come on and share her story with us here on the drop-in. And when she emailed the bio over, I'm reading through it, and I'm like, it's everything the drop-in embodies. Every single thing the drop-in embodies. And from uh, growing up in a, in a little bit of a small town to moving to the big city of Detroit uh, and making life happen and being successful on a few different fronts. And we're going to talk about that from the software industry to, uh, quote unquote, as she puts it, retiring from the software industry and moving into uh, this the, the banquet hall. But so much more than that. So much more than that. I mean, they were they were voted like number one uh, for on the wedding wire. Like, how do you do that? I don't even know what that is. I'm like, wedding wire, I had to look it up. And I'm sure we're going to talk some more about that. So, without any more from me, let's bring Leah on the air. Leah, thank you so much for coming into NRM Studios. And how are you doing? I'm doing great, Gerald. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's really exciting to be here tonight. Yeah, how's life treating you? You guys just getting back from a trip down to Disney. Yeah, we had our first family vacation with our five-year-old. And it was, it was a good, fun, successful trip. Weather held out good. It was really a good time. Yeah. How much? Uh, how much was Jeremy carrying Chase, uh, your, your your son, on his back? You know what? I think I probably carried Chase more than he did. <laughs> and to be quite honest, I was really impressed. We did about four miles a day walking, and he rarely asked to get picked up. It was really when we were in line, and he was bored. You know, can I get picked up? Other than that, he trooped right along with us. It was pretty cool. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Well, I'm glad you guys made it home safe. You know, when you talked about going down to Disney, actually. The night before was our big event. And so, how cool is that? That she's busting her hump. I mean, hosting an event. And when we were getting done that night, she said, You know, it, this is awesome and everything, uh, but I'm actually leaving at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. So, thank you so much for, for doing that with us. But uh, let's talk a little bit about that event. You know, I, I was saying I think it went great, I think it was completely successful. What is your takeaway from our first drop in downriver uh, fundraiser? You know, it was really exciting. Uh, we've had quite a few fundraisers at the hall since Jeremy and I have owned it, and the turnout was incredible. The number of people that were there to support the community, and it was really exciting to see everybody there and the excitement and the people talking and everything. Just I, I felt all around it was it was very well. Yeah, I think uh, you know for our first stab at it. I, th I think it, it went off very well, and it's just going to grow oh, as yeah. we move forward. With folks like you and Jeremy on our side, I don't know how we can't be successful. I mean, you guys are awesome, and I'm, I'm very honored and stoked to have you involved with that part of it. But this show is about you. That's exactly what this show is about. And so, we're going to start uh, where you grew up. 
you know, tell me about. Let's tell the viewers about uh, you know where you grew up in the state of Michigan and and some of that evolution and how how the evolution of Leah, how she became who she became. So let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up at and where are you from? So I was born in a small town right outside of Grand Rapids called Zealand, um, right on kind of on the border of Lake Michigan. And my family moved to Grand Rapids uh, when I was just a baby, and we and I grew up downtown, uh, Burton Division, right in the heart of inner city downtown Grand Rapids. Um, it, the neighborhood started to get a little bit dicey, and with three kids, my mom and dad said, "We got to get out of here. We got to pack it up." And my dad happened to have a high school friend that lived in a small town called Bel Air. At the time, uh, nobody really knew about Bel Air besides Shaney Creek and Shush Mountain, which was a big ski resort up there. So, and then the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which obviously isn't Bel Air, Michigan, but you know, a lot of the kids in my fourth grade class were cracking jokes when when we moved. Like, I can't believe you're moving to Bel Air. Like, say hi to the Fresh Prince for me. Um, a totally different place, but um, now Shorts Brewery has put it on the map, along with a lot of other incredible small businesses downtown. Um, Bel Air is, is really, you know, getting getting its name out there. So now when I tell people I'm from Bel Air, they're like, oh, Shorts Brewery is my favorite beer and stuff like that. So um, it's definitely getting a little bit more name out there than it was back when we moved there. How to give our, our listeners and viewers a, a, an idea, if you want to drive from Detroit to Bel Air, how long is that going to take me? It's about four hours. And straight north, or what are we doing? A little bit uh, north, and then kind of you get about three quarters of the way up, and you cut you cut west, and you head right um, almost to Traverse City. So oh. we're, we're about smack dab between Traverse City and Gaylord. Oh, right on, yeah. right on. So that had to be a little bit of a shift uh, coming from Grand Rapids. You know, it's a pretty big city. If, if you've never been to Grand Rapids, uh, churches and, uh, I mean, they got some big buildings. The Van Andel Arena, which hosts, I mean, I probably 10, 15,000 people can fit in the Van Andel. It's a pretty cool town. So going from... Uh, a pretty big city, we'll say, into that uh, small little town had to be a big shift for you. Yeah, it was tough. I was in entering the fifth grade, so I moved into a school where I graduated with about 30-some kids in my class, and it was tiny. There was 200 kids, almost K through 12, and it was a really small town, which the disadvantage for me was Fifth grade is a really tough time in in life. You know, middle school. There's a lot of growing and changing, and a lot of things going on. So, um, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I didn't fit into the cliques because most of these kids had been going to school since kindergarten together. So it was really tough for me. And um, I kind of come from my mom and dad are kind of hippies. They're kind of a little bit off the grid. They're not your average, um, you know, parents. So I was a little quirky myself, and I did like to do sewing and things like that and I'd bring my sewing projects to school and the kids would kind of look at me like I was crazy um, you know so I didn't have a lot of friends right away you know eventually I started making a few friends here and there but it was a really really tough transition but it you know kind of showed me that you have to fight a little bit and you got to still put yourself out there even though you know the circumstances aren't necessarily in your favor right on exactly and and for you listeners listen to that Listen to that. You know, going into a very uncomfortable situation, I would say very uncomfortable, especially fifth fifth grade, is a very influential time in your life. I mean, huge shifts are made. My life, everything changed between fifth and seventh grade. My whole life changed. So that's a huge shift. And now you get uh, pushed into this little town, and you got to make your new friends and do your thing. And and uh, you know, it's just it's it's a big part of your life definitely big part of your life and dictates how you're going to move forward. So then you go through high school, you know, you stayed in that town till you graduated? Yep. 
And then you decided to make the move to the big city of Detroit. How did that happen? So I was working for a company at the time, and it was a small automotive supplier, and they were starting to close shop. Um, they were closing plants in Gladwin. They were talking East Jordan, and they started to close buildings here and there. And they, I was working in IT at the time, and they told me that they were probably going to be outsourcing IT, so they were bringing consultants in to talk. And I was 20 years old, and I didn't have a college degree. I had actually landed the job through an internship through the high school that I went to. So I you know, had this option, do I stick around and maybe not get hired in by this consulting company and see what happens? Do I just make the leap and move somewhere? And um, I was dating a guy. We'd been together for a couple of years. We had an apartment in Traverse City. And we were going to move to Detroit. He was finishing his college classes up. He was going to transfer everything over to OCC. We were moving to Pontiac. The job that I got was in Auburn Hills. And uh, right before we moved, I told him that I didn't want him to move with me. And I didn't really know anybody. My aunt and uncle lived in Sterling Heights, so I kind of had family. My cousins were still in high school a few years younger than me. And so I kind of stayed with them for a little bit, got my apartment, got myself on my feet, started to just put myself out there. I'd go to shows by myself. You know, I'm wandering around St. Andrews, Harpo's, all by myself, just to, just to see. I'm, you know, meeting people here and there, um, r really primarily just working and doing doing my thing every day. Cool. Cool. You know, you brought up your <laughs> a little dicey in Grand Rapids, right? Now you're like, well, you know, I decided to move back to the dicey. Uh, Harpo's is no joke. St. Andrews at that time, no joke. So you go from, oh, we're going to move out of the dicey to I'm going to make a voluntary decision to go back to the dicey. I, uh, interesting choice, but okay. So you're back in Detroit. You know, luckily you had family in Sterling Heights to yep. help that transition. And you just jump right back into what you're doing. What are you doing for money at this time in your life? So I was working for a consulting company, and they had placed me at an automotive supplier, and I was um, installing software, fixing stuff, mostly running all of the CAD systems there, all the, the CAD designers. So I'd get in real early in the morning with the CAD designers, and if they had a problem, I'd do data management. I'd send files to different companies, um, you know, like Chrysler, Ford, uh, transmitting the data and the drawings and things like that. And it's just, you know doing my thing. I had thought about, since I hadn't done any college classes or anything, I was thinking about going to get a degree, just thinking it would help me out in the future. So I went to OCC and took the placement testing and everything to see where they, what classes they wanted me in, and then decided I would start out with sociology because it seemed fun to me. Um, so I took a myth, magic, and folk religion class. <laughs> myth, magic, and folk religion. What what is myth math? That doesn't sound like a college class. That sounds like you know one of those uh, books you find in the back corner of the bookstore, like New Age stuff, not yeah. college class. Let's talk a little bit about that class because I want to know. <laughs> yeah, that it was basically a sociology class that talked a lot about um, just different cultures around the world and um, you know thinking of different countries with their religions and their rituals and things like that. So that's really what it was. Um, just kind of studying, you know, Africa and some of the tribes and the things that they do and hold dear to them. And um, and then even a little bit of like Nordic, you know, Vikings and things like that as well. So when I looked at the college curriculum and the things that I needed for all my electives and everything, I'm like, I'm just going to start there and ease my way into this. Um, and then turns out that I finished that class and I never went back to start any other ones. I just I just kept continuing to go to work and building experience. 
cool, cool. So, so that didn't gravitate into a 4.0 like you know eight year college uh, career. You decided to go back into the workforce, and I think that's very important uh, in today's day and age. You know, uh, as you talked about, you know, you took some classes in in, in high school, and the internship helped you, and now uh, you go to college and realize that just isn't for you. And for our our, our viewers, a lot of people, you're force fed college. You are said you have to go to college in order to be successful. You went to college, took one class, and said, "You know what? I'm going back in the workforce. I'm going to get some experience, and I'm going to move forward and on that route." And uh, I think that's a very uh, what would be the word courageous decision at that time. Yeah, I kind of lucked out, and and when I kind of got into everything, it was '98, '97, '98. So. The IT industry was booming. The internet was really just starting to take off, and you know it was dial-up everywhere. Really, that you know, fast internet wasn't even really you know a thing, and so people with technical backgrounds and things had a really easy way to get in. And I ended up working, doing some stuff like Y2K, rolling over a credit union, and then another company rolling all their infrastructure, replacing CMOS chips on the motherboard, and ripping computers apart and upgrading hardware to try to get everything ready, which was also funny because my dad was really into the conspiracy theorists with Y2K and everything's going to stop. And I'm like, Dad, do you want to see what's going to happen when it rolls over? Come to work with me and run through these test programs, you know? And so it was it was kind of fun. Well, he was doing his thing on his path. I was doing my thing on mine and, you know, trying to help keep him calm, <laughs> um, you know, but I really I feel like I lucked out. And had I been born in another time, I probably wouldn't have had a lot of the opportunities that led me to where I am today. Well, and I think when you're doing the right things and you're passionate about what you're doing, the opportunities open up for you. And I was thinking that as you're talking, that that time in 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 my life, in your life, that time was a, a huge thing because internet was just coming in. The word IT probably pre ninety five, nobody even knew what IT meant. Yeah. After uh, they might have thought it was a Stephen King book, right? Yeah. But after ninety five, everybody knows what information technology is, and so uh, you moving forward in that field was exactly what you said. I don't think it's luck. I think it's doing what you love to do, people recognizing that, and you having fun with yeah. with that work. Uh, so, so you stuck with that company for 20 years? Is that correct? Well, so I when, I when I moved to Detroit, the company I worked for, I worked for them for about two, and then I got bored. I automated my job, and everything was really easy, and I need a challenge. I'm, I'm one of these people that constantly has to be challenged. If I don't have a challenge, I go out and find things to challenge myself, and I'm almost I almost get in competition with myself to where I, when I do things, I have to figure out a better way to do it. So the next time I do it, I have to figure out an even better way. Like what didn't go right, what went wrong, what can I fix to make myself better? So when I'm in a job where I'm not being challenged, I it's it gets boring, and I just I'm not interested. I can't just sit around and do nothing. So I quit that company, went to work for another company, was working there for about seven or eight months, and my resume was on Monster.com. And um, I don't even know if they still use that website anymore. <laughs> but my resume was active on Monster, and I got a phone call from a company looking for people. I wasn't actively searching work, and I said, well, you know, I'm one of those weird people. I like to go to interviews. It's fun. So I'm like, I'm just going to go to this interview and have a good time. And it was a lunch interview, so I'm like, cool, I'll get free lunch. So I went to this interview and ended up getting called back for a second interview, and this company offered me a job. 
Um, and it was the company that I just retired from. And I was there for, it would have been 14 years in November, last November. Right on. Yeah. And, and because you enjoy interviews. Like, I don't know anybody who enjoys interviews. Like, I, I really don't. You know, you, you, you got to dress you. Usually in clothes you don't wear every day, yeah. and you got to prepare like your last like 150 years of what you've done, and try to pitch yourself to to this group of panel of people, and hopefully you make it to Brown too. I don't know anybody who enjoys interviews, so you are the right person for this show. You are exactly the right person for this show. So you go because you enjoy the interview. You end up retiring from there after 14 years. Along this pathway, I brought up this guy named Jeremy earlier in the show. Yeah. This is the guy that you decided, this is the man I want to spend the rest of my life with. Where did that when where and when did that happen? So Jeremy and I met in 2009, August of 2009. Um, we met through a mutual friend. And uh, it was actually a friend of mine that I'd known since I lived in Traverse City. She went to school just outside of Traverse City. We had been friends since we were probably like 15, 14. And she ended up, we, we kind of lost contact, and then we got back in touch. And she had just moved to Detroit. She was going to cosmetology school at the Aveda Institute, downtown Royal Oak. And um, she had met Jeremy some, somewhere, I, f I forget. <laughs> um, she had met Jeremy and then um, had called me up and said, hey, my friend's having this car crash Mad Max movie night in his backyard. They're playing movies on the projector. And there's this guy that I really like, and you have to come meet him. And it, the guy was not Jeremy, though. It was actually one of Jeremy's good friends. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Here she wants to introduce me to another one of her guy friends. I'm going to go along and just sit there and be bored. And I was, at the time, kind of in a, in a rough patch in my life. And so I was didn't really get out much, and I was playing a lot of World of Warcraft. And uh, my mom was like, you should go and just have a good time. And I'm like, yeah, but her motives are always for her. You know, so what's in it for me just to go and drive all the way up to Hazel Park? Little, did you, little did you know what was in it for you. Yeah. And so I got there. I, um, I showed up with 240s of PBR, asked him where I could put them. And, you know, my friend introduced me to her guy friend and Jeremy was kind of sitting there in the back. I was like, oh, he's kind of cute. But then her friend was a real jerk. And I'm thinking, well, they usually hang out together. So I'll just forget about it. He's probably just like his buddy. And I'm not even going to even think about it. So she got really drunk because some other girls showed up and I ended up taking her home. And then I thought that was probably the last I'd see of him. And uh, but it wasn't. She had invited us to go see, I think, Inglorious Bastards at the drive-in theater. So her and her friend and her and Jeremy and his friend picked me up and grabbed a 30 pack of old style or something and went to the drive-in theater and pounded some beers and watched Inglorious Bastards. I love it. Yeah. I, the reason I love it is because you are so honest and, and it is such a story that people can relate to, you know, that you that that love at first sight thing isn't always quite love at first sight. And I have to say, Jeremy is freaking amazing. You know, I like uh, when we first met, he really didn't say too much. You know, he's just checking out the scenery, feeling out things, you know, yep. and, and I, I really couldn't get a take on him. I, I knew we had a connection because he had a bad brain sweatshirt on, but he really didn't say too much this first time we met. And now we're a couple months in and we've had some 
rad conversations. The dude is top notch. Like he is an amazing person. And I, I was trying to get him to get in here, but um, he's got some other duties he's got to take care of, which we'll get to in a little bit. But you are very, you both are very lucky. You know, Jeremy is a great guy, and I'm glad you guys were in the same place at the same time with the old style beer, checking out uh, yeah. uh, movies <laughs> at the drive-in, which is a rarity nowadays. Um, so now we fast forward a few years, and you guys are doing some really amazing things. You know, I know Jeremy's a DJ, and you've helped him build that business. How uh, how did that work out? You know, with the marketing and all that kind of stuff, because you've done some really cool stuff with his DJing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, and I kind of got addicted to to running the businesses, and it all started out when I was pregnant with our son Chase, who's five now. Um, he we he was working. Jeremy was working a job running a CNC up in. Sterling Heights at a small automotive manufacturer, and he was driving all the way from Wyandotte every day, you know, 70 miles round trip, all the gas, all the traffic, all the stress. And I told him, you know, I don't think we need your job. I think, you you know, if, you, if you're down with it, I think you should quit your job, be a stay-at-home dad, and I'll just continue to work, and we can live off of my check. You know, we pretty much just put his in the bank. So we had a pretty incredible opportunity. And Jeremy coming from a family where his dad is retired tool and died from Chrysler, his family kind of was like, what? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying over here. Like, how many dudes on the planet would love their significant other, wife, whatever, to say, you know what? Just quit your job. Quit your job and go after your dream. That doesn't happen every day. No. And we talked a lot about things. I had um, when I when I met Jeremy. Like I said, I was kind of in a in a low spot, not not really taking care of myself, not very healthy. So. About six months after we got together, we started eating better. We started, you know, putting our butts in gear. We lost together. The year that we got married, um, almost 40 pounds each. You know, we lost in a, like just, just by changing our diets and motivating each other to kind of get healthy. And, you know, once you have somebody that you want to wake up for every day, it, you know, gives your mind a different view on things. So um, I had, it, and also through that, had discovered some, some issues I had with foods I was eating and what it was doing to me. So... I'd gotten just done a 180 from where I was to where I am and it inspired me so much that just about when I was 30, I went back to school and took a six-month program for health coaching. And part of the health coaching was a holistic program, so mind, body, spirit, and I had to practice. So I used Jeremy to practice for my health coaching program. So I pretty much took him through my health coaching program. And one of the parts was like filling all of the aspects of your life and, and what happiness means in different areas and how it's important to have a good balance. And so in the job area realm, he went to work every day. It was a low-stress job. He could come home. I could never do that. I was sometimes getting called at 11 o'clock at night. you got to be here at 7 a.m. tomorrow and do this two-hour presentation. So I had some crazy life that I didn't have that advantage. So he had a kind of a job where it was low-stress and everything, but it was the drive, and it really wasn't his passion. You know, and I know when you're doing something that you love, personally, from because I'm always trying to do things that I love, you're, you're a lot happier. You're in a better space. So... I sat down with him one night and said, um, you know, what what would, what did you want to do when you grow up? I can't imagine you were in the third grade saying, I want to run a Flowform CNC machine when I grow up. You know, so I kind of got him talking. And so he told me this story about how he had a little tape recorder and he'd sit in the like morning hour before school started and he'd play music for people. And, you know, he had his DJ business at the time, really just doing block parties and bowling banquets and just really, you know, corporate things, nothing, not really weddings or anything like that. Just kind of on the low key house parties, which he's got some good stories about those days. Um, 
but you know he started doing that and so I kind of encouraged him you know now you're gonna you're staying at home you know we've got the baby how about on the weekends you go and do some DJs we'll land some weddings it'll be a lot of fun and he's like okay so I started booking weddings and meeting with brides and my sales experience I think had a lot to do with that I usually if I can get somebody in front of me I can sell them sell them on something so you know, we just started getting clients and experience, and turns out Jeremy is amazing at what he does, like incredible. Even our staff says it when we're at the hall and he's DJing a wedding. If there's a DJ that's not Jeremy, everyone's like, oh, man, we don't get Jeremy tonight. And so you never know what's going to happen. But with him, he just is he's got such a good flow and he knows how to read the people and he does an amazing job. You know, so it's been really cool to watch him evolve from the backyard DJ, uh, you know, playing for for a case of beer to this, you know, almost $100 an hour five star entertainer. Right. And he, he is such a rad dude. And, and, you know, again, like when you met him, when I met him, it took a minute for us to warm up to each other. And then you get to know him and he gives us such this positive vibe, this serious positive vibe. And uh, to know, you know, he DJed our event on the 27th and it just flowed. You're exactly right. That's yeah. a good, good way to put it. He saw who was there. He checked it out, you know, and then towards the end when people started getting out, I started barking out some bands and he started playing some mix a lot and some uh, uh, digital underground because I wanted to hear some old hip hop. It just a, a cool vibe all night long. And, and you can't really teach that. You know, a lot of DJs, especially in that realm, they'll put together a 50 song playlist and just hit play and walk away and hang out at the bar. But to be able to make adjustments on the fly like that is really, really cool. And it, it shows. It obviously shows shows and you know that that's cool but uh, what I really want to talk about is the evolution of some of the accomplishments you've got you guys have done together because Biddle Hall is a mainstay in Wyandotte it's been there forever and when you said you guys own it I was taken aback a little bit because I just assumed that uh, some 80 90 100 year old couple owned it for the last 55,000 years, and it was going nowhere. It was handed down from generation to generation. Like, that's the kind of vibe that place has always had. So, I was a little surprised when you said you guys did own it. How uh, does that evolution happen? Because you got a DJ guy, you got retiring from software, you got a new little one. How, how did you get into Biddle Hall? So, back in 2016, we, we DJed a couple weddings there. And one of them was on a Wednesday. It was a really interesting evening. You know, we're we're standing around with the owners, kind of shooting the sh- shooting the the crap. And um, he said, you know, we're retiring at the end of the year. We're going to sell the hall and we're retiring. We're we're done with this. And they were the second owners. They had run it for about eight years, and they had bought it from two sisters who were the original owners. And they had passed away, so they kind of bought it from the estate. And they ran it, and it's a lot of work. It's a it's a lot of work. And I can imagine a couple who's on the brink of retirement taking this on is just it's it's crazy. So I think that they really got burned out really fast. And they just wanted, you know, they wanted to go live it up. And I don't blame them. You know, you work hard like that and you know, you want to go and have a good time. So I as we were driving home, you know, we live in Wyandotte, so I was like, it's about one point two miles from the house. And I said to him, I'm like, we should buy the Biddle Hall. And he's like are you crazy? And I said, yeah, that's why you married me. So um, he, I'm sure he thought I'd forget about it. Um, so this is June, fast forward to January of 2017. And I said, hey, guess what's up for on the market? And he's like, what? I'm like, the Biddle Hall. You know, and 
I was like, they want about a half million dollars for it. We should buy it. And he's like, well, I don't know. So I called the real estate agent who was listing, and and we got in and got a tour of it. I called an inspector. He did a, he did a full inspection up top in the middle in the crawl space. Bless him. <laughs> um, so we ended up putting the offer in and uh, not having any experience in the banquet industry, it was really tough to get the money to do it. We had a lot in savings because really with his Deremy's DJ business, we just we just banked and saved everything. So we had a really good start to if anything we wanted to do, we were saving money, not really knowing what we were going to do. Um, there'd been we'd been talking about maybe moving, do, doing a lot of different things. Um, so when the hall opportunity came up, I'm like, let's do it. So I put together a 13-page business plan of all the things that I thought we could do with the hall, all the things that they were currently doing with the hall, all the amazing opportunities. I know at the beginning of the show you talked a little bit about Wyandotte, and it is just a phenomenal community. If that hall was anywhere else, I would have never even thought twice about You know, I would have never, never pursued it. Um, being downtown, I didn't have to think twice. It, I just know all of the great things that the community has to offer and what a great um, close business owners association that they have and just how wonderful it is downtown Wyandotte. So that really helped a lot. Um, but it took me about three or four banks and credit unions to go through to finally get somebody that said, you know, I think I've got confidence in your business plan and I think you know what you're doing. Because everybody else is like, so let me get this straight. You've been working in IT for 20 years and now you want to buy a banquet hall. Right. Well, that's what I, uh, you know, if, if anybody watching this show, if you are not uh, inspired, fired up by that story alone, you need to check for a pulse because you know we talked about uh, coming out of high school, taking a, a college class, following your passion, uh, taking that to a retirement basically, and then helping your husband <laughs> grow his business. Decide on a whim. Hey, I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy a hall. You know, we'll just buy a hall. That is the drive and the passion that the drop in is all about. You know, and and you said it before. You're driven. You are driven. And to make the decision, listen, I'm going to take this. And you don't go half-ass into anything. I can tell that. It's all in. And to to decide to buy this hall in downtown Wyandotte, yeah, Jeremy's freaking crazy just for uh, coming along for the ride. I mean, I don't know any sane person, too many sane people, who say, yeah, honey, half million, cool, you got experience? No, that, you know what, we'll make it work. It's all yeah. good, you know? He must have a lot of faith in me. <laughs> yeah. Because he he never says no to pretty much anything. And when things aren't looking good, he just I'm just tell me everything's gonna be okay. Tell me it's gonna be all right, even if it's not. And he and he does. He's he's always there to reassure me. So I definitely couldn't do it without him. And I feel like we kind of feed off each other and motivate each other to do things. Um, you know, which is is really cool. And the hall opportunity opened a lot of doors for us with, um, you know, we had, he'd been, he was DJing about 50, 55 weddings a year at other venues. So I had a ton of experience for a multitude of years going around to other venues and watching the way they did things, watching the way they set everything up. So I was kind of just watching everything throughout these years. And then when the, the, in the year that it took us or the almost year it took us to close because of the liquor license, um, I was able to even, you know, get get more going and um, leverage more by every event that we went to and every wedding we went to to see, you know, I'd see things, people doing things a certain way at a venue that I didn't like. And I'd say, well, I'm never going to do that at my venue. And so we try to just take the best of everything that we've ever seen and experienced anywhere and then offer that to our to our clients at the hall. 
And it's super cool because, you know, when you walk up to Biddle Hall, and the Biddle Hall is right in downtown Wyandotte. I mean, Wyandotte is just down the river from the Renaissance Center, which is the main focal point of downtown Detroit. When you're on the water in Wyandotte, you can see the Renaissance Center. That's how close it is. But our little downtown area is only a couple miles. It's it's like, or I'm sorry, a couple of blocks. Yeah. It's really just two, three blocks. But you have the water right there. You have an old feel. Because the late 1800s is when Wyandotte was founded, so we have we have some history in Wyandotte. And so you have that feel, but then you have some of the newer things. You have the little coffee shops, you have these different things. Biddle Hall has the, the, the storefront is a, a classic look. It's probably been the same for the last 50 years or so, but when you walk in the door, it's like... Wow, it, it it is amazing, and I know these photos are were showing exactly what they get. It, it's like you go from fifty years ago to totally new and modern and and just rad. You guys have done an amazing job on the inside of that place, and watching Jeremy on our event night just floating around, taking care of whatever he had to take care of with a smile on his face. He is a great great partner to have in that uh, in in what you guys are doing with the hall. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He, like I said, he, anything I need, you know, he's a lot of the times moving stuff for us, like setting the chairs and the tables. And, um, you know, we really give it a good personal touch with everything. We're not, we're there for every event. So we're not like an owner who has a whole staff that does everything for us. We're there investing our own time and energy. One of us is at every single event that happens. We really try to be an easy to deal with, offer a good experience to our clients and it's really it's been great some of the relationships that we formed and the people that we've met, um, especially downtown with some of the other businesses, which is kind of how I got hooked up with you guys in the dropping down river was through Modern Craft and Wine. Um, they kind of were giving me a heads up that they were you guys were looking for a spot, and when I heard skate park, I thought, well, there we go. It's all over Jeremy. We spend you know we take our son to the down Elizabeth Park. They have a small little skate park, and he rides his little bike up in the ramps and everything like that. You know, so I thought, how cool to get something like that in our community and to be able to be a part of it. Well, we are very lucky to have you guys yeah. as a part of it. You bring a lot to the table. I mean, from participating in the meetings, uh, not just not just offering the venue, but with ideas and business ideas and and your business expertise. I'm sure as we continue to move forward, is going to be irreplaceable in some of the things that we're going to be doing with Drop In Down River, uh, and and with the hall, with the hall in 2016, 2017, and 2018. You guys uh, won the Wedding Wire Couples Choice winners. You are the winners of that. What is that, and how did that happen? Because that's a huge thing. Again, I I've looked at Biddle Hall my whole life, and I've never thought twice about it. And and to be winning awards, especially what a year after you bought the place, you know, uh, how how was that for you guys? So the Wedding Wire Couples Choice Awards are given to vendors who have phenomenal uh, reviews throughout the year. So if you have four and a half to five star reviews up across the board from all of your clients, you get put in this pool for this award. So in able to receive it, you have to deliver good service, offer you know a good affordable product, and give people a great impression when they leave their five stars. You know you're doing a great job. So all the feedback from our wonderful clients um, helped us get there. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. And for for you guys, like this right here is is the epitome of going after something, 
that you have no experience in. I'm a little crazy, but right up my alley. Like you decide, Leah and Jeremy decide that they're going to get into this this realm, if you will, of expertise and going all in and crushing it. One year, one year, winning winning Couples Choice Awards because of the passion driven, because of past experience and shifting that model to work in in the banquet hall uh, arena. And 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 I mean the team, the team, the team has has done some crazy things. So congratulations on that because not everybody can do that. Uh, uh, not everybody can can decide to go down another path. And usually the the shortest hurdles, especially on the new a new path, the smallest hurdle causes you to rethink. You know, did I make the right decision? Should I have stayed in the software industry? Probably Jeremy going, I should have just stayed doing that job, you know, in, in the CNC world because it wasn't that difficult. It was paying the bills. I'd come home and do what I want. I wasn't stressed about it. Yeah. And to make that jump and make it successful, you know, uh, that's awesome. I commend you for that to, to continue moving forward with the, the Biddle Hall. And I, I can't see anything but success uh, continuing on, uh, down that route. Do um, you guys have any uh, big plans for the Hall moving forward? Going to continue to update? What, what's going on? Yeah, so our current chef is pregnant. She's due with her first child in November. So we're going to be closing our doors at the end of the year to do some renovations. We want to get the floor taken care of and some other things. So we're, we're using that opportunity of time to just get things in order and kind of bring a couple more updates to the hall and continue to make it a great place for everybody to come and have their events and their celebrations. Um, we do have... On um, May 25th, we've partnered up with a uh, drag queen production company, and we had a drag queen bingo uh, a couple months ago, and it was super successful, super fun event. Um, so on, on uh, May 25th, Saturday, May 25th, at 6 o'clock is when the doors open. 6.30 is when the first ball is dropped. We're going to have Emma Sapphire, who is the current Miss Gigi's, which is a, which is a club in Detroit. Um, she's a current Miss Gigi. She's going to come host. We've got Monica Beverly Hills, who is on the RuPaul Drag Race Season 5. So she's going to be there. It's supposed to be a phenomenal lineup with all four performers in the bingo. So, you know, if you're listening and you're looking for something to do on the 25th, come check out Downtown Wine Dot. Come check out the Drag Queen Bingo. It is a blast. Yes, I have been yeah. to one, and it is a blast. I don't care who you are. You're going to have a good time because the entertainment value of that is worth every single penny and these are national celebrities in the drag queen world in downtown Wyandotte at the Biddle Hall so definitely mark that date on your calendar because it is going going to be a, a fun night I'm sure I'll probably be there so you can come down and hang out with me and uh, and just have fun smile enjoy the evening enjoy Wyandotte it's it's really a cool cool quaint town and you guys make it that much better by what you're doing for the city and for the community and now let's talk about a little bit uh, for our listeners about what you do uh, when you're not running around the freaking. I mean, basically, you're everywhere. You are everywhere. You have. You, if you were a juggler, there'd be 15 balls in the air because you do so much. But on the side, on the side, like she needs a part-time job, right? You know, I, I, I have all my family things. I have the hall. I have this. I have that. Oh yeah, I like to sew too. I do some sewing on the side. Blew my mind when I stopped by to visit with Leah and drop off some things for our event. And she's like, Oh yeah, uh, I'm going to Disney next week. I gotta uh, alter these five dresses. I'm gonna handmade 
make this dress over here. Oh yeah, and I, I I'm gonna pick up some fabric and, and I gotta throw this together tonight. But it's no big deal. I I got this. And I, I'm just like, what the what a what a like you are amazing, an amazing person, and you still sew. Uh, is it just something you love to do? Like, is that is that your true calling? Like, do you yeah. think? Well, you know, I my I feel like the as I've grown and gotten older, my true calling has evolved quite a bit. You know, so it started out when I was a kid. I was really passionate about electronics. I love to take everything apart and see how it looked, and it worked. And that's kind of how I got into the technology realm. I kind of got burnt out on that. It got boring. I learned a lot it, every area that I could. So then I kind of moved in with doing the business management, sewing something I've been doing since I was about eight years old. I had made my first dress when I was, you know, just a kid, and I do a lot of alterations and a lot of bridal. I've already done, I don't know, four or five wedding dresses, tons of bridesmaids dresses this year. I just finished a couple prom dresses, you know. So I'm that's kind of like my little on the side gig. So if, on Facebook, check out Stitch by Leah. That's my sewing page. I do a lot of embroidery, memory, um, taking blankets, making quilts, a lot of different stuff, uh, stuffed animals out of old clothing. You know, so things like that. But that's my fun. That's what I love to do, along with um, gardening as well. I love to be outside, growing food, not so much flowers. For some reason, I can't get the flower game down, but I got the food game down good. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Now, now, look how this all evolved. Like uh, this, and I'm sure this exactly the way you mapped it out. When you were in Grand Rapids, you mapped it out just oh, yeah. like this. You said, you know what? In about 25 years, I, I'm going to still be sewing, and I'm going to meet this dude. He's going to be a DJ. We're going to be a, uh, buy a hall. He can DJ in the hall. I can make the dresses for the people who are renting the hall. Then we'll rent the hall. I'm sure that's exactly the way you mapped it out, oh, yeah. right? Perfect. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just rad how it all comes together. Yeah. You know, it all comes together. And, and you know, you talk about your food stuff. Um, you do some... Uh, different things with food at, at home, like preserving and, and yeah. doing some different things uh, for the environment. Like, how's that working out? Yeah, so I do, I can a lot of the food. So I grow about eight to 10 tomato plants and I can my own sauces, crushed tomatoes, you know, keep them for the winter. I grow garlic, carrots, peppers. Uh, I do uh, pickles. I grow cucumbers for pickles, all sorts of stuff. So I, you know, I like that. It's kind of my roots too. I grew up making jam and canning and doing a lot of things, picking peaches and stuff with my mom and my grandma. So just continuing on with the little things that I enjoy to do. I'm just cracking up over here because, like, if if anybody from Seven Eleven is watching, she needs a part time job. Midnights, <laughs> midnight to seven, like not doing enough in the community. Uh, you know, so just just so you know, I have a hardworking lady who probably needs a part time job, not doing enough. Um, oh my word, man. Oh my word! I am so stoked that you're here on the drop in yeah. because you again. I will say it again. You are what this show embodies. You really are. It's to inspire people to get off their butts. They're probably exhausted right now just listening to everything you're doing. Like that is what we are trying to do: is just inspire one person, one person who watches this show, just one. I just want one person to go. I relate to that. I want to try that. I am going to give it a shot, and that's why we are lucky and fortunate enough to have guests like Leah on this show today. It has been awesome. Like I have learned a ton, and I, I read the bio. I've, we've been friends. We've talked. I, I learned a ton today about your drive. Who knows what's coming next? Now, I know that you do some things around the community as far as ins inspiring others, what we're doing with this show. You know, you like to share your story with other young women, young men, and inspire them, and that is awesome as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who runs the girls group at the Wilson Middle School, which is a group for fifth, sixth, seventh grade girls. And really, um, it's a self-esteem. It's a building about building girls, building girls up, you know, which I feel like is really important that, um, you know, women need to empower other women and work together. And just based on my own story of that, I briefly touched on in my fifth grade move. And it was life was really tough for me at that point in time. Um, I it's a it's a blessing to be able to come in there every couple of years and talk to the girls and motivate them and share my story because you never know what you say at the time, who's going to hear it, what they're going to take away from it and how it's going to help them. And, you know, you, you can always be that ripple and put that little spark of motivation in and it just just can ignite and go places. So it's always it's always fun to go talk to the girls. I've had um, I've had the girl I've had one girl draw a picture of me and gave it to me afterwards. I had one girl come up and give me a huge hug and tell me that everything I said was exactly what she needed to hear. And just really phenomenal experience to be able to touch people's lives like that, you know. And then when they have their dinner, all of them introducing me to their moms and how happy they are. And, oh, this was Leah. She did this talk. And, you know, it's fun. You know, and I'll come and do a little bit of a talk. And then I'll usually read them uh, the, the Places You Can Go, Dr. Seuss book, which is just a great little uh, great little book about the ups and downs of life and rolling with what it changes and, and what you get dealt. That is a great book. You know, I was asked to be a, a guest book reader in a class, and that's the book I read yeah. to the class. That's a great book. And, and you are exactly right. When you reach out to the community and you hear those folks uh, respond back, you know, that one person. I received an email about a week ago, and this young lady had heard me speak to a middle school in the mountains in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. And, um, and she wanted to reach out and say, you know, at the time I was getting bullied. And you let me know that uh, it was okay to stand up for myself and to be who I am and to love myself. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome because I reached one person and there was, uh, that's my goal all the time. But then she followed up with she now is a mom and she's instilling those same values into her daughter. You never know. Like, I might start crying right now because you just never know who you're going to touch. And the ripple effect, you're exactly correct. You never know who you're going to open the door for, who you're going to be polite to. That one word you might say that somebody needed to hear that day. You don't know. You don't know. So it pays to be polite to every single person on the planet. It really does pay. And it also... uh, to, to be inspirational and watch what you say because you just never know. It could be one way or the other, positive or negative. We're fortunate to have these positive stories about uh, people who have heard what, what, what we have said and, and got inspired. You know, it, it's, it's awesome. It, it, it is awesome. I, I, I'm so stoked. So stoked you are here. Uh, how can people reach you? If they want to look up uh, what you do on a day-to-day basis, can they reach you through Facebook? I know the Biddle Hall does yeah. a lot. What's the best way for people to reach out, especially you know our, our, our young ladies who are watching? Actually, anybody. I don't care who you are. You know, If you're inspired, how can they reach out to you for advice? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook, um, my sewing page, Stitched by Leah, and then also the Biddle Hall. You know, I'm the only one that answers any of the messages, so that's a great way to get a hold of me. Um, we also have a website, www.thebiddlehall.com, so you can get contact info from there as well. And, um, you know, if you have questions or if you want to hear more or share your story, I'd love to hear it too. Right on, right on. Well, we're stoked to have you. You know, we're going to, we have a, what, two minutes? How long we got, Ethan? 
two minutes. We got two minutes left. So just thank you so much for taking the time to spend an hour with me and to spend an hour with our listeners because now you can hear this anytime you want. You can hear Leah's story anytime you want. You can stream it. You can save it to your phone. You can rewind, re-listen because we went from how, how you can grow up in, in the middle of Michigan, Grand Rapids, and follow your passion. Not to mention, as Leah suggested, the passion shifts sometimes. And, and, it, and it molds and life gets, goes in a few different directions. But when you have that drive in here, when you have that drive in here and you're fired up, it doesn't matter what is in front of you. When you have that kind of passion and drive, you emulate success. You ooze success. And with the Biddle Hall, that's exactly, exactly. I mean, most people, I am sure dozens called you crazy. I'm sure your mom, your dad, your family, they're like, what What are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? You're buying a banquet hall. You're an IT salesperson with a cake job. What are you doing? And now we're for four years in and you are winning awards. You are morphing that business. You and Jeremy and Chase are making it happen. And that is awesome. So thank you once again. And again, please share with our listeners. Uh, where they can book the Biddle Hall, where they can contact you. Yeah, facebook.com slash Biddle Hall. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, Biddle Hall on Instagram, for pictures and things like that and specials that we're running. And then also Stitched by Leah is my Facebook page for my sewing. Right on. Thank you once again, Leah. We might have to do another show. I always say that because my guests get me so fired up. If you need anything, you can contact me. I will point you in the right direction because the guests on the drop-in, uh, they end up becoming, if we aren't personal friends, we end up becoming personal friends because it's a common consciousness. We are all driven to inspire, motivate, and make the best life we possibly can for everybody here. It ain't a dress rehearsal. We get one shot. One shot. And it doesn't matter what you're into. It doesn't matter if you're riding a skateboard, if you're sewing wedding dresses, if you want to start a banquet hall. Heck, if you want to run a freaking pop. Podcast. It doesn't matter what you want to do, you can do it. You can find that avenue avenue to do it, and, and this show is to inspire you to do that. I love doing the show. I really do. I enjoy it. I love talking to these guests for one hour, but my main purpose is to inspire you and send me those messages. Send me uh, the inspirational stories, and, uh, and I would love to hear more about them. So, with that, I want to say thank you so much for dropping in today, and I will be back next week with another, another fired-up guest. So, thank you very much. Have the best week you can.